Hello, and welcome to Wyverns and Weirdos, a D&D podcast set in the world of Fialor. I am your dungeon master, the Doctor, and joining me is JD, playing Tibble, the Mosquito Witch, playing Neris, Newman, playing the Fishman, Alton, playing Alton, Janice, playing Rue and Janice, Beetlejuice, playing Cerise, and Loren, playing Loren. Actually, I'm so sorry, guys. I was trying to make Loren work, and I'm just, I'm not feeling the wig. I just, hold on one second. I can fix this. Hold on. <sighs> Captain, I am ready to continue the podcast now. You monster. Neris playing Loren. Let's jump into it. So, where we last left off, the crew of the Polaris found themselves besieged by a horde of these strange, undead water zombies of some sort within the region of their quarry. After fighting it off, it was spotted that in the distance there was a cave that they had come from. With a bit of clever thinking, as the hordes were dying down, the fishman set up some tangled brambles with the use of magic to block off the cave entrance or exit, depending on how you want to look at it. And that was pretty much where we left off, as the horde was done with, and I think the fishman was still underwater. Are there still zombies in there? Not to your knowledge. And does he remember anything about this cave from his vision? No. This cave was not in your vision. Awesome. He'll go back up. Okay. So, the rest of you, Tibble, Neris, Alton, Rue, Janice, and all of your officers and crew members are reeling from this attack. What are you doing in the wake? As he would be after every combat, Alton is immediately going to go and assess everyone to see who needs the most medical help. And also just like call out to any general crew members to look for the injured, bring them over to him. Rue has already been doing that, and Rue will cock their head towards Alton as he calls out, and then kind of just make a touching noise to whoever they're looking after at the moment, and then just prod them over towards Alton. Meanwhile, there's this fairly familiar cracking, shifting noise as Janice stalks directly past where Alton's trying to minister stuff to people, and he strides towards Neros, who is on board back again by now, and he looks Neros up and down, because I believe Nero's got stung by quills. He's currently poisoned, I believe. Correct. And he then looks back up to meet his face and raises his eyebrows. Looking quite damp there. It Do is you have incredibly a- cold. All right, uh, Flora, to get a blanket. Uh, medic? By the way, Tibble is fine. He was capable of fending them off on his own, and he should be fine, but I will go check on him. And he then strides immediately off to go and find Tibble. Perfect. Thank you. Oh dear, what seems to be the problem here, Captain? I think Alton would inspect the wound if Norris lets him. Oh, yes. As I suspected, they had some poison in those darts. Ah, that Uh, is not ideal. 
No, no, it's not. Although the fact that you're still standing probably means you're not going to drop dead in any minute soon. All right. He's going to take the dart out and like pour water on it. Unfortunately, this is a little bit out of my capabilities. Looks bitter about this. One of the magic users, they might be able to help counteract this poison. I, it would take a little bit longer for me to figure out how to do that. Rue may be able to help. Like, I'm kind of helping pick up things. There would be a little bit of damage on the ship with mm. that many zombie hordes crawling all over everything. And they straighten up. Do you require assistance, Mr. Alton? Uh, we have a case of poisoning here. Uh, do you have any magical knowledge about how to counteract that? Rue's eyes flash a little bit brighter for a moment. Of course, take me to them. That is something I am very well versed in. No need to brag. <laughs> he takes <laughs> And then Rue crouches down. Ah, uh, that is not good. I believe you may live though, Mr. Neris Solilanti. I would very much like to. It should be noted, since Alton mentioned the word poison, Neris has frozen. He has not moved. He's not done anything. The only movement that he's got is with his eyes just kind of watching everything. He doesn't look scared. More if he doesn't move, then it doesn't travel as fast, maybe. So he's essentially taken that and has just frozen. Are you exhibiting any other symptoms? I am extremely wet and cold. That is something. An antidote is usually the only way to take care of the most noxious poisons. However, in this situation, you are most fortunate. Mr. Alton, if you wish to study this, should we come across these in the future, you should collect the spines when I do this. And then Rue stretches a hand out. Do not be afraid, Mr. Nerys. You are in the most careful care that the Isles can give you. By the way, even if you die, you will not have to worry about it for much longer. But that is only a 1% chance. And then, where were the spines of hidden areas, I guess? Probably, like, his right shoulder or something yeah. or other. So Rue very carefully lay his long spidery fingers across Neris's shoulder so that they're not touching the spines. And then Alton and Neris specifically will see that bright energy behind Rue's eyes. There's cracks in the glass behind their eyes and in their armour. So you can see that raw magical energy like it's about to travel out. And then Neris will feel that same energy when he got shocked awake from lifelessness when the Sin Seekers were attacking and Rue helped him wake up again, basically. And he suddenly feels this surge of energy, which I kind of feel the way that Rue's magic works is you feel that it wouldn't be a warmth because Janice's magic is warm. Rue's is this strange but comforting sense of cold that will just surge through the point of contact. And instead of radiating through you when you woke up, it focuses in directly on that point and just force the spines out. And with that, the poison would sort of start to dissipate from your bloodstream. They just touch a little bit to themselves. Now, how are you feeling now, Mr. Neris? Cold and wet. That is unfortunately a symptom of just being you. Oh. And I assume probably at that point, maybe some of the deck crew would come running up because I think Janice did bark at Floret or someone else to go and get some blankies to get him a bit drier. A couple of crew members come out with a handful of towels each. I would assume because the towels are normally brought out for Janice, these towels are much too large for Neris. And it just sort of covers him in like a tent. Which, to be honest, Neris welcomes. 
If you require any further assistance, Mr. Alton, please let me know. If you wish to talk about this situation and relieve any kinds of trauma, Mr. Norris, please also let me know. For now, I will continue to help with cleaning up the damage on the ship. It's thank you both. Let's nod curtly and lace their fingers together very primly at the chest sort of area and then stretch up. And unless they're required for anything else, they will go back to assisting the rest of the crew. You're welcome. I'm glad to see that Rue could heal you without any adverse effects. You don't feel any strange magical side effects, do you, actually? I d- do not believe so. Good. Maybe watch out for that. Perhaps you should get changed, get out of all that cold, wet stuff. You seem pretty miserable about that, but uh, you've kind of only got yourself to blame, going and jumping into the ocean. It is uh, unfortunate, but we needed information. It's uh, commendable, but as the captain, you don't need to be the one going and throwing yourself right into danger. No one have opportunity, so I took it. I saw no danger in the immediate sense. It looked pretty dangerous to me. Plenty of things could have happened, but... Well, I'm glad that you thought it was safe enough. Please don't be so reckless again in the future. I am not reckless. I see what is to come. Oh. I saw the path. And I saw what would happen if we did not take action. Sounds exhausting. <laughs> Neris actually chuckles, almost to himself, but he does chuckle at that. Please continue to help the rest of the crew. Of course. You look after yourself, okay? Of course. Vishman, what have you found? The cave is sealed. They shouldn't be coming out anymore. Do we believe this is the cause for the missing people? There is definitely a possibility, yes. Should we investigate further? Unfortunately, I believe we may need to. There was a large enough group that it could take down an undefended ship with ease. At least a cursory look around, see if there is any wreckage. Perhaps we need only Alton on the ship, from what I saw. I saw them take out at least 30, almost in one or two shots. It was incredible. But, I digress. We probably have only minutes left until my spell ends. They did not look like there were any zombies left, but whatever they're called, whatever they are. But if we are going to be ready, it should be soon. You speak the truth. You look unwell. I am just a little cold. Understandable. You leapt into freezing cold water on what is probably the coldest day we've experienced this season. I'm going to be honest, it was not the best idea. Do you mind? As he'll kind of gesture as if he's about to do magic. By Um, all means. Can you use shape water to kind of get all the water off Neris? Kind of, in a sense, magically ring him? Like a... (laughs) Like a cloth? Please be gentle. (laughs) He'll do a couple of hand gestures and all the water will come out and then he'll direct that over onto the deck where it will flow off the ship. You should get warm, Captain. I feel like that may be a futile attempt if we are to re-enter the waters again. I'll be awaiting your command. 
And then what he'll do is he'll walk up and search for his staff that he dropped, hopefully finding it, picking it up and sheathing that. Chibble, when everything calms down and the creatures retreat, uh, he is in the war room by himself. And after he does that last shove with his sword to push that last creature out of the boat, he kind of slumps forward onto the wall just below the porthole and his forehead presses against the wood of the ship. And while no one's around to see or hear it in this moment, he takes a few deep breaths and he's probably still leaning against the wall when Janice enters. Ah, all went well, I see. You uh, took care of the rest, it looks like. Thank you, Janice. Of course, you're the captain of the Polaris, after all. You've been through many a battle. And just think, now I can tell even more stories. First a kraken, now a swarm of the undead. He turns and he's got like a half smile, but you can see it doesn't quite reach his eyes. And he takes your arm and lets you assist him back to his chair. You're right, friend. Many a more story. Precisely. Well, you know, if we fight as fiercely as we do, then there'll be many more stories to be had. It really depends on what the endings will be like. Janice, given what happened and uh, what you know about me and what you know about this ship, at any time, if you wanted, if you really needed to, Janice, you could take over anything that you wanted to. Some kind of light flickers behind Janice's eyes, but he says nothing. In fact, he shifts his head and looks more sympathetic. Of course. What honesty were you looking for? Without me, do you think they're doing okay? Do you think that they'll be safe? You know what? I think they all will be. You have a very capable crew and a wonderful ship. I'm not worried that they can't handle things without me. It's a funny thing being a captain. People like to try and tell you what they think you want to hear. Sometimes I just want to hear the truth. And Tibble doesn't say anything else. He just wheels towards the door and out towards the deck. So, elsewhere, could I get everyone except for Eddie, Cerise, and Loren to remove their headphones, please? Cerise, your visions have brought you to your current location. You have docked the Red Phoenix as you've made your way with your trusty first mate and navigator, Loren, to a lively portside strip on which lies an easy-to-spot tavern, the double-storied redwood building ruling over the otherwise plain and quiet neighbourhoods. Like moths to a flame, revelers and patrons alike are drawn to the bright and colourful magical light that spills out of the tavern. And as each person comes and goes, the hum and thumping of music slips into the streets like a secret among gossips, adding to the anticipation. As you draw closer, you are blanketed with a warm red light as the magical glow of the enchanted signage comes into view. Its large, cursive letters hover above an ornately carved doorway. Aconite. The doorway itself is an exercise in grandeur, carved with winding, woven threads of hemlock, wolvesbane, and ivy. A beautiful naked man with long, flowing hair reaches towards the surface of a still, unbroken lake, 
On the right, a terrible and haunting merman bearing his sharp and jagged teeth reaches a clawed hand for the surface from below. Both of their eyes are filled with a longing and desire for the unknown. This is clearly the place. They sure are one for dramatics, eh, Captain? Aren't we all? Well, of course. I just didn't expect to see that much ass on my day off. Well, I don't mind. Well, I know you don't. So are you going to tell me why we're here yet? You'll find out shortly. The next wave of curious and excited tavern goers pushes forward and you find yourself swept almost with the crowd into the tavern. And at this point, I'm going to ask Eddie to take over the description of what is seen. I'd be more than happy to. The inside of Aconite is just as grand and imposing as the outside. To the left as you enter is the bar, long and ornate, with pillars woven with the same hemlock, wolfsbane and ivy as the outside. Behind the bar, the shelves are impossibly stocked, walls glittering with a rainbow of every possible alcohol you can recognise. A portly and jovial figure tends the bar, his long salt and pepper beard covering a rosy round face and cheeks. His hair is braided away from his face, and his beard is braided with tiny beaded sapphires, emeralds, and rubies. From his stature and the slight point of his ears, you know him to be a dwarf. The walls of the rest of the tavern are decorated with rich and detailed tapestries, each seem both beautiful and haunting in its own way. Long velvet curtains frame each one. Along the walls, private booths are filled with patrons, swept up in the illusion of privacy the booths give. Overhead, twinkling magical lights give off a warm and dim light, giving everything a soft and secretive shroud of shadows. Standing tables litter the centre of the room, equally as full as the booths, but twice as boisterous with tavern goers. On the far wall is a well-lit stage, the band of instruments upon it seemingly playing themselves. In the shadows to the side, a tall and slim, handsome figure stands, surveying the crowd's dour look upon his face. Dark purple horns peek out from his dark, slicked-back hair, and a thin purple tail swishes in irritation. Servers twirl through the revellers, each one adorned with flirtatious smiles and scanty costumes. They flit throughout the tables with ease, seemingly unbothered by the bustle. Before you can take even a further step into the tavern, a short blonde satyr in a glittered, tasseled corset trots up to you, a radiant white Stetson framing her long blonde curls. She smiles warmly at you both and throws you a wink. Well, howdy there, cuties. Here for the show? Well, you sure are in for an absolute treat. He is about to go on and we have missed him here at Aconite. Forgive me for not knowing the local culture. We're not from here. Who's he? Oh, the prodigal son returns, of course. Here, come this way, darling. I'll show you to a booth. And she trots forward, her curls bouncing as she leads you to one of the booths that are close to that stage with the instruments upon it. Now what can I get for you, sugars? I'll get a pint of ale. Oh, of course. And you, pretty little thing? If you have a lemon-lime and bitters, I would be more than obliging. And then she sticks her little fantasy lollipop in her mouth. Of course, sweetness. I'll be with you uh, as soon as I can. Now, um, do enjoy. And as she trots away, the lights seem to dim a little and a slow bass starts as a magical spotlight hits the stage. Before you see anything else, you see a pair of long red legs. Knee-high laced boots step forward past the curtain of the stage. 
a tight corseted bodice covered in a thick studded leather jacket. The man in dark makeup steps forward. You notice one of his curled horns is broken off, jagged and scarred, and the other curls around itself, gold chains and piercings running between each other. As he steps forward and begins to sing, you believe that this may be your mark. Captain, did you really just bring me here to watch, forgive the pun, a horny show? (laughs) Not just a horny show. Then what? We're here to meet with who we're looking for. Who are we looking for? You haven't told me who we're feckin' looking for for days. Cerise just fixes Loren with a half-serious but also like, how hasn't she figured this out yet? And then very pointedly looks towards the man on the stage. As you point towards him, you notice he begins to step down from the stage. His long, sheer skirts, I guess you could call them, flowing behind him as he starts to play the crowd. He walks up to a beautiful human man, strokes the side of his face, and you see him absolutely melt under the tiefling's touch. He also passes by and sings gently into the ear of one of the tiefling women that are also at one of those standing tables. And then his eyes flick to both of you. And Cerise, you notice a flash of recognition and a twinkle in his eyes. And he struts up and he sits himself on your lap, Loren, as he continues to sing. As he's singing, he leans forward to you, Cerise, and slides a piece of paper across the table and then stands up with a gentle brush of his hand underneath Loren's chin. Loren looks like she could murder the next person who looks at her funny. As he struts off and the music continues to swell. Cerise, once the note is put on the table, she, in a very nonchalant sort of way, puts her hand over the note and slides it towards herself. And then once he walks off, she does open it and read it. So the note simply states, I get off at 10. As you're reading the note, as sly as you may think that you have been with it, the satyr woman pops your ale down in front of you and she's like, well, well, the two of you certainly have his favour, don't you? Of course. Oh, of course. Two handsome things like you definitely would catch his eye. (laughs) He could put his affection better places. Oh, honey, I assure you he has. (laughs) And she places um, your lemon lime and bitters in front of you. Is there anything else I can get you? The kitchen's open till nine. This will do for now. Well, wonderful, sweethearts. You enjoy. Just flag it down if you need. Andy Markham's, by the way. And she tips her Stetson. And you see beaded skirts on her bodice twirl as she moves off to serve some other patrons. Captain? Yes? This had better be feckin' worth it for whatever that little bastard in your head wants. Always. The set goes for a while. Uh, I'm not sure what time you guys arrived, but it seems that the tavern is always this busy and always has this amount of foot traffic. There's always new faces to replace the old ones. You do, and I think maybe Loren, you overhear this part in particular, um, as maybe you're going up to the bar for a drink, you hear someone mention, well, his daddies must be so glad he's back. Eventually it comes to around 10 o'clock and the set wraps up at like maybe... 
10 minutes through and you hear like the cries of patrons as they wish for him to stay on for longer and he just simply bows and um, gives a little wave and slinks behind the curtain. And in maybe a couple of minutes' time, he comes out through the door next to where the other tiefling is. And the other tiefling stops him for a moment, has a few words with him, while the tiefling who had been standing there, his face is still stoic and still very serious. And at one point you see him reach forward and put an affectionate hand on the prodigal's shoulder. And the prodigal, before leaving this tiefling, does the sort of European kiss on each cheek before shifting off. And he approaches the two of you. Hello again, love. Nice show. Could have used more show tunes. Well, now, honey, that just sure isn't my thing. I assume you're uh, the contacts? Correct. Wonderful. Damien Omfroy. Scoot on down, would you love? And he addresses Loren as he says that, <laughs> so he can sit across from Cerise. Fine. And Loren gets up, moves to a different seat, and sits down. And she shares this look with Cerise. And you know she is only doing this because you are her captain. And this is your bidding, basically. But she will be bitching about this for weeks to come. Cerise smirks and then reaches out and shakes the hand. Cerise and Loren. Charmed. No, I can truly say the pleasure is all mine. (laughs) And Damien leans forward and kisses one of Cerise's rings (laughs) and then leans back in his chair, arms sort of spread out. Well, shall we get to business or are we here for a bit of fun? Cerise looks at Loren for a moment, sighs. I think it's best we get to business. Because of that old shade in the corner. You two can have your fun when I'm back on our ship. I mean, you can join. <laughs> <sighs> I guess not then. That's fine, sweet thing. But just know I'm always willing if you need to vent out some of that anger. Thank you. You're not exactly where my vents lead. <laughs> so, I hear that you're uh, looking for information? That's correct. Hold on. Sorry, I'm way too dry for this. Andy, darling. And Andy trots over. And she, unlike how she was with YouTube, seems very excited to see Damien. And she gives him a really big hug and kind of squeals with a bit of excitement. I am so glad you're back. Oh my God. Both your fathers have been driving me insane, asking me where you were. You know that those sending stones were meant to go to them and you did not send them to the right place. Damien, you're an asshole they were worried sick and Damien kind of has this light shade of pinkness to his cheeks but he doesn't seem embarrassed so much as please give me a break darling I need a while <laughs> she kind of gives him a little bit of a faux slap and she's like you're absolutely terrible you're not getting these two pretty things drunk are you <laughs> my interests are mostly professional don't you worry Andy and she throws a glance at both of you, more warning you about him than, like, being protective of him. Um, Cerise winks at her. Andy raises her eyebrows but doesn't seem offended. She just seems surprised. All right, well, you check in with your daddies before you go trotting off to the next place, all right? And he's like, yes, mother. (laughs) And she scowls at him and scampers off. Right, well, apologies um, for that. 
it's been a while since I've been back home. We gathered. I guess I want to negotiate a kind of trade, if you will. I may or may not have pissed off a few people. I'm sure one of you may not be thrilled with the proposal I'm about to make. Just going off a general vibe I got here. I understand it's a complicated thing having someone as attractive as me just trot up and sit on your lap. It can be overwhelming. I get it, darling. But you I know, do if you have could actually to... get to your point. Oh, darling, I am getting there. And I will take my sweet time because uh, as I'm sure some lovers of yours will learn in future, sometimes taking your time makes it all the worth it. You know, you can just stop assuming I have lovers. Are you quite done? The offense was not meant. The offense was take and get on with it. I need a place to conduct business out of, a place on the move, a place where I'm away from certain contacts that uh, may or may not want me dead. You know of quite a place? Might know such place. Mm -hmm. Cerise glances across at Loren for a moment and then looks back at Damien. Six months? To start with. Let's just say I know a little bit about uh, the Misforged and what they might be up to. I've heard from the word of a bird of a bird that maybe, perhaps, the goings-on of the Misforged might be of interest to certain people on your ship. You ever heard of the Aboleth? You are both aware of Aboleths, these rare creatures that live below the depths of the ocean. Supposedly... They once held godlike status or godlike power. There is one Cerise that you will have heard faint whispers of within the Isles, known as Silsiesk, who, on the rare occasion that a warlock finds itself with an Aboleth as a patron, at least among the warlocks you've encountered, around the Aeolic Isles, it is typically Silsiesk. Well, I can't give up my sources, of course. I do know that certain consorts of your daddy there have been looking into such a creature. Are we in, um, he kind of glances at Loren. Company? Cerise looks at Loren for a moment. Yes. Wonderful. So, uh, little old daddy comrade there, as I'm sure there are certain things he's told you. Yes. You're not the only one of his kids poking around. Of course. That's what I'd expect. Now, um, ladies, if I may, I've got to, uh, catch up with Pa over there. <laughs> but, um, what time should I, uh, bring my things? Are you normally up before noon? <laughs> Sugar, I'm up whenever you want me to be up. Meet me on the dock at noon. Done. And, uh, Loren? Damien? Drinks are on the house, love. How incredibly kind of you. He leans back and gives you both a faux tip of a hat that isn't there and saunters off. And you see him go and talk uh, the dwarf behind the bar who looks very excited for him to be there and rushes forward and pulls him into, like, this big hug. And then, Loren, you don't see, but Cerise, you see explicitly a sleight of hand exchange where the dwarf hands Damien a packet of what you, in your profession, know to be drugs. Yeah. (laughs) And they head off through the doors behind the bar into a back room. So, back on the Polaris. 
with the knowledge now of the underwater cave and reeling from the horde attack, what are folks planning? Speaking of planning, <clears throat> Neris is going to spread the word to senior officers and those that play a larger role in everything that happens that he would like to organize the conclusion of the previous meeting to go over what we failed to cover and also discuss the new information that has come up. Fishman will probably be the last one in um, because on his way, he will be doing like a quick glance around the boat and looking in the distance, trying to see if this is at all familiar to his dream. Is there this other creature that he saw in his vision? Is there any other presence here? Any sign of the zombies coming up again? Nothing that you can see. I might do a quick um, planar search for the nearest portal. One mile. There is one deep below the cave entrance that you saw. That is valuable information. Excellent. So as you are all gathered in the war room, what do you discuss? First, extremely important question. Is Nero still in the blankie? Absolutely. <laughs> Excellent, thank you. Now we can picture all of this. So at the head of the war table, kind of hands pressed into the table as he looks at everyone as they walk in, wrapped very tightly in the thickest woolen blankie. So I believe there is a fairly high chance this may be what is causing these disappearances. Just to clarify, you mean the zombies that tried to eat and maim everything are probably what's causing the disappearances, correct? Rue tilts their head towards Nero's. That is what I am claiming, yes. It makes sense. Without further information, I suppose that's the most we can make of it. It would be best to find out how to get rid of them to begin with, or to what's causing the problem. There is more information. So as some of us might know who took a dive, there is in fact a cave from which these creatures came from. It was temporarily sealed and they don't seem to be making any appearance at the moment. However, there is also what I believe to be a portal, a planar one, within that cave. This is quite similar to when we fought our dragon turtle friend. I also detected a portal. I also had a vision shortly before that encounter, and I also had, again, what I believe to be a dream, but now it seems to be a vision shortly before this encounter. I believe there is something behind this. A creature, a monstrosity, if you will. Not quite as large as her dragon turtle friend, but from what I can remember, not a foe we should take lightly. Perhaps this is just a complete coincidence that I happen to see the same zombies that I saw in my vision. But I believe that we should tread with caution. That is disturbing. It's not good knowing that your dreams are a bad omen. Indeed. Yeah. I believe we find ourselves in the predicament of our last job. What is the scope of our mission? Tibble has stayed quiet in his spot up on the table and he's very much just observing not necessarily not wanting to contribute but it seems like he's hearing out what everyone has to say he is specifically very interested in seeing what people have to say on this in particular 
I suppose it falls down to the captain to make the decision on what to do with this, really. What do you think, captain? Janice says after he notes this and then adjusts the arms he's got folded and kind of tilts his head towards Nerez. I think, while we have not yet completed the requirements of our contract, it is important that if we are to move forward, we move forward as a unanimous team. Of course. What do the crew of the Polaris believe is best then? And he kind of like cut back over Alton and Fishman and Rue. I vote we go. We definitely at least need more intel, I think. We don't know for certain that this is the cause of it, or it could be, the, or if it's the sole cause, there could be even more portals around that we don't know of yet. It would be terrible if another ship that were less equipped would be to come across the same path. It would be difficult to get this information back to anyone that could spread the information further within time that might avoid further casualties. I am personally concerned. Captain, your thoughts? Are you asking me as your captain? I am asking you for your opinions the same as I have asked everyone else. You have the most experience on board the Polaris. In my full position to help, I would want to help. But I'm not in a full position to help. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you all to go in there and rid the world of this scourge when I am in no position to do so myself. I believe you're a very capable crew. And I think that you'll make the right decision. And Janice finally kind of stretches a little bit more and settles back and is like, I don't know, it might be fun to go for a bit of a swim again. Of course, not everyone has to come if they're a little bit chilly. And he kind of like quirks a grin back at Nerys. Nerys subconsciously wraps the blanket a little bit tighter, but he is staring at Tibble. During this time, Fishman would have finished doing some scribbles on some parchment, basically transcribing a sketch that he had made from his book onto a parchment. Um, it'll be of the creature he saw in his vision, Darby. Um, now, I can't remember, would Fishman know what that is? Uh, roll me a history or religion check. That is a 11. No, you do not recall. Um, Fishman will be writing, like showing that parchment around to see if anyone does recognize it. This appears to be a creature known as an Aboleth. They are rare, powerful, think themselves uh, in, in the rare stories that come up about them. It is clear they think themselves to be gods, deities, and they may or may not have the power... <laughs> to back that up. Ah, interesting. And Janice's like mouth curls into an even bigger toothy grin um, as he leans forward with interest now. Oh, fun. Sounds like it'd be great to deal with. Although I will say with this mission, uh, I don't know how much help I'll be unless we can get Tucker out again. During this whole meeting, Alan's probably just been like leaned back in his chair, kind of like watching everyone and just watching the tenseness of the scene everywhere. Just like... Keeping tabs. <laughs> I hope we don't have to get too involved with this Abeleth. I suppose it's worth a look. I would certainly be interested in entangling with one. It seems like a challenge from Shognish himself. So you believe this might be connected then, Fishman? Nerus. Captain, I mean, of course. Fishman will look up. Um, he was 
hunched over with a finger and a thumb pressed up against his temples, um, as if he was in pain almost. Absolutely. I have a personal interest in this as well, much like I did with Uthron. I believe there is some connection with my past here. Do we know if this beast can speak? I've heard tale they can speak. Though it may not be tongues that many of you have heard before beyond the waves. It is merely a legend among sailors. The ones that I have travelled with before, of course. I am sure Captain knows more. We have been running into many a legend recently. I would not be surprised if we ran into another. Fortunately, they seem to be following us at the moment. However, the balsam is correct. These creatures are highly intelligent, highly dangerous. Are they something that we have any chance of combating? Should we message for further forces if we want any hope of this? And he kind of is side-eyeing Fishman as he says this a little bit, but he's speaking to Nurse. There is always the opportunity for success, just as there is for failure. No matter what you choose to do here, the Hydra aren't going to, and you know I do not mean this in a dismissive way, Fishman, but the Hydra won't accept we believe it to be connected to a dream as the answer to what's causing these disappearances. Regardless, we'll need first-hand proof. So be it. Excellent. Right. A plan of attack. Reconnaissance. I believe a reconnaissance similar to the underwater temple. That plan worked quite well. The stealthier approach. I have the ability to allow everyone to breeze underwater. Those of us who cannot. So that is no longer a concern. From what I could see, most of the combat, if any, will be underwater also. And perhaps even within a cave system. There is one way in and one way out, as far as I'm aware. Very well, then. How many do you, do you wish to go on this expedition, then, Captain? I can assist some, of course, if I change shape. And the and that those others hold on. They kind of like quirks and have a big toothy grin, but it doesn't really quite match his eyes now. Your assistance would be appreciated in this matter. He nods. Perhaps those of us who are more adept in traveling unseen would be the better options on this. Those that are able to assist in transport would be highly regarded. Those who have the opportunity or the ability to potentially resist any magical effects illustrated by this creature would also be beneficial. Additionally, I can also aid those who can not do so stealthily. Will you be going yourself, nurse? As captain, it is my duty to lead. Timor, um, he reaches down to his hand, uh, 
pulls off his ring and he tosses it across to Alton. Oh. You'll need your medic on their best legs. <laughs> I'll keep the crew safe Thank up you. here. Rue in the background kind of watches this interaction and it has been very silent for some time and then just kind of, just sort of nods to themselves um, and then just, just continues to watch what goes on. Um, whereas like a Janice kind of statue stands up from his chair and sort of stretches out like, all right then, good. Well, we should uh, section that off. So uh, like one quick question, who's Tucker? Tucker <laughs> is... A companion of mine. Magically. Oh, congratulations. Oh. <laughs> well, as long as he's consenting, that's good. Excellent. I'm, I'm, I'm glad for you, fish man. Oh, boy. You misunderstand, but that is funny. Oh. <laughs> yes, very funny. Uh, good. All right. Well, I'll just, um, cool. Good. To, I'll be looking forward to meeting Tucker then. He just sort of awkwardly puts his hands on his hips. Oh. <laughs> um. Fishman will probably spend a bit of time drawing what Tucker usually looks like. However, he will also then say, Chances are, if we need to be stealthy, I have to choose between Tucker and helping the rest of the crew, unfortunately. Oh, that's true. They are both quite demanding magics, and they need most of my attention. Shame, I hope I'll get to meet Tucker again at least for a little bit. We shall see. If the if the situation demands it, he can always come out again. Excellent. Right, so it was myself that was going, Fishman as well, Janus, and of the captain. Ro, do you wish to accompany us as well? Oh, me. I don't think I'd be a great deal of use. I could not swim very well or very fast. And in the last mission, I was not exactly helpful. My only boon was that I do not need to breathe. And you're to stay here with me. Protect the crow. I believe that's important. Especially if so many powerful people are to be traveling under the water where anything could happen. There might be another attack. There might be another cave somewhere. Yes, that is true. We shall protect the ship. And as much as I would like you all to think that the ship is in capable hands, I do need the help. I am always ready to help those who seek it. I would be delighted to. And the room kind of like stretches, stands up and stretches up. Not to their full height because they can't fit perfectly into the room. Um, but they just kind of like don't even kind of really look at Neris um, because he hasn't really spoken up in regards to this. And then Rue will just move to stand just a, a little bit further back. Because um, I was about to say, he'll go and stand next to Tibble, but Tibble's seat is like in the middle of the table. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> he just kind of stands there and just sort of again, like again, as he'd done earlier, to, earlier that day, sort of just like, Steepling his hands with his head still tilted in the direction that it was when um, uh, Tibble and Alton were talking about uh, uh, needing to send the best medic down. So, as roles for the coming mission are decided upon, 
those who are heading down uh, prepare, make their preparations. That's where we're going to leave it for this episode. See you next week, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you joining us. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening, audience. And happy Halloween. <laughs> happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs>